Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Rocket IT Business Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hyatt, and today we're talking with my friends and fellow entrepreneurs, Chad and Robin Merrill. With decades of leadership and business experience between them, Chad and Robin are on a mission to inspire, impact, and influence the lives of others. With their current business venture, Impact 252, Chad and Robin are equipping entrepreneurs and other leaders with the tools and systems to build healthy, sustainable organizations. But Impact 252 is just the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot to unpack here, so let's dive in. Robin, Chad, welcome to the show. Thanks. We're glad to be on it, Matt. Thank you. Yeah, great to see you. Absolutely. So first things first, I want to learn a little bit about the two of you for the benefit of our listeners. We don't often have the opportunity to talk with couples that also work together quite a bit. And I know you've been married for a long, 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 <laughs> long, long time. Have you always worked together? Mm. We have. Honey, or you want to answer? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, Matt, I'm going to give you a little bit of the backstory first, and then we'll get into Please. that work part of it. But uh, this is my favorite part of our story is because we started dating when Chad was 14 and I was 16. Wow. And we actually got married when he was 19 and I was 21. My and goodness. one year after we were married is when we started our first business. And so, uh, <laughs> and we've now been married 33 years. So congratulations. Um, That's yeah, a long time. That, that gives you a little nugget of our background. That's amazing. Now, did you both come from entrepreneurial families? Yeah, we, we did actually. Both my grandparents were small business owners and uh, my dad was a lawyer that was involved with several businesses as well, and and Robin's also. Robin's uh, uh, dad was a small business furniture mm -hmm. store owner in the town where we grew up. So a lot of entrepreneurial blood in our background. Yeah, once you once you uh, once you sort of caught that bug, it's it's hard to get rid of it, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And after you've done it for a few years, you find out that you're uh, probably not employable. Right. So, <laughs> work or eat or find something otherwise you know it's going to be a problem i love it yeah i, I have joked uh, many times and this sort of joke truth thing right you just have to consider myself pretty much unemployable at this point mm -hmm. i i do uh, have a special fondness for other entrepreneurs as you know and you know it's something it, i don't know what it is if it's uh, something in our blood or something uh, about our backgrounds mm -hmm. but it is sort of an affliction isn't it once, once you've uh, once you've sort of tasted the entrepreneurial life, it it kind of sticks with you, huh? Well, in all honesty, Matt, I will say there are times though that I was like, "What are we doing?" Right. <laughs> and there are times I did want to back off of it. So it's, but all in all, yeah, once you get it in your blood, it's hard to get out. Well, I think we've experienced that too. Where you know, most, most of the time, if you're watching a, an interview on TV or, you're, you know, you're reading about entrepreneurs, it's often, often the vision is, hey, I'm going to start here and then this mm -hmm. is going to be this amazing trajectory, you know, high and to the right, right? Yeah. But the reality is for, for most of us that the road's a lot 
bumpier than that, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. I tell folks our lives through kind of like the stock market, you know, you're way, <laughs> right. way down. And you just hope when you look at a decade at a time, it's kind of up and to the right. Right. Well, you know what? It's funny you say that. Uh, I read something the other day, and, and, and it was in the context of real estate investing, but the, uh, the message was to uh, think in terms of decades rather than thinking in terms of, of years. And I think that's really smart whether it's real estate or entrepreneurship and probably other things in life too, relationships and things like that is what's, what's the game plan for the decade ahead as opposed to, you know, what's happening right now or next week or year even. Well, I think uh, years like we've had in 2020 remind you of that also. <laughs> That's uh, right. Uh, one, you take nothing for granted, but certainly uh, have to look a little bit longer term. It has been a wild ride for sure. So I, I do want to start a little bit with, Impact 252, which I have the impression that's uh, sort of the the newest, uh, most centric part of your focus right now. Would that be accurate? Yeah, and it, it's uh, you know it does take a little bit of explaining because Impact 252 became kind of a catch-all, a yeah. holding company is a little bit too lofty of a word, but it became kind of the the conduit where we decided a few years ago that we would kind of do our business and professional life through. So it is, uh, uh, it is our latest pursuit, but it kind of encompasses a lot of different things uh, depending on the year, the season, the project. Right. Well, I'd love to hear how you got started with that because uh, as you alluded to, that probably wasn't the idea going in with uh, DBAT and, and your other organizations. So can you tell us a little bit about the background and how it got started and how you ended up with Impact 252 being this uh, sort of, like you said, kind of a holding company? Sure, it goes back a little bit or just just one step back. I was involved in the company OnePass Systems where partners mm-hmm. and I uh, started it, grew it, and ultimately sold it to a private equity firm. And through that transition, they were, they were good guys, they did what they said, they were honest guys, but we had a, a value disconnect. You know, we had been started on a, a certain set of values and as the influence of the equity and when they ultimately brought in a new president and things like that, it became stark that, you know, the values that we had formed the company on were just different. And it, it just wasn't comfortable. It wasn't fun. Like any kind of relationship when your values don't align, you know, you start to see that there can be conflict coming. So when I ultimately left one path, started impact 252 and the real, the real goal of the genesis behind it was let's try to stay value aligned and, all that we do, projects we work on, partners we take on, you know, companies we may get involved with or start or buy. And so that was the beginning. And, and it came about real quick. We, we had a, a deal on the table, was working with a lawyer, and, and he said, you know, I need to know the name by the end of the day. We've got to, we've got to, uh, we've got to incorporate, we've got to get this paper going and, and things like that. And we started writing words on the board, and they were influence and next generation and inspiration. And, things like that. And as you said, the company we were buying uh, had to do with baseball, youth baseball. Mm-hmm. And so we thought impact, that's a great word. So we said, yeah. we want to inspire, influence, and impact. And then 252 actually comes from Luke 252. It's uh, mm-hmm. where Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor of God and man. And so we thought, oh, that really encompasses a lot of things. One, mm-hmm. we're dealing with youth. So we thought if you grow in wisdom and stature and favor, of God and man, we thought that kind of really encompasses a lot of the things that we wanted to do. So 
Impact 252 was born. I love it. So tell us about DBAT. So DBAT, right when we formed the company, we bought, I was looking for a company, trying to find what to do, was transitioning out of one path and uh, called a friend that was a business broker and said, looking for something to do with leadership or next generation or things that we can impact people and had no idea what that would look like. And a few months later, he called back and said, I found a baseball training facility in Buckhead. And so scratched ahead and thought, hey, that could work. You know, I've been going to work, sometimes wearing a coat and a tie and things like that. I said, wearing a t-shirt and shorts and, you know, going to a gym probably sounds like a good idea. So we, <laughs> we, uh, that's where it started. We bought this uh, little baseball facility in Buckhead and then, it became off to the races and a little bit of the type A and the entrepreneurism kicked in. And over the last oh, four or five years, we built seven in the Atlanta area Wow! And, um, and started going beyond that and added soccer and a few other things. And so that was the, uh, that was the beginning of impact 252. I love yeah. it. And how long ago was that? That was, I believe in 2015. So at the really end, not that long ago. No, at the end of 2015, and, and it took off, and it, you know, I found being an entrepreneur, like you know a lot of folks that are entrepreneurial, and once we got into baseball and soccer, found out lots of folks are looking to do things like that. So we mm. were very fortunate to have some great guys that came alongside that were uh, in that industry and a couple of professional ball players, and so it was kind of stimulated, and everybody loved the idea of, having a positive influence on uh, sports and uh, kids in the Atlanta market. And so we've been right. really fortunate to uh, grow it at a pretty good rate over the last few years. And so is, is, uh, do you have a sports background? Is that part of the yeah, equation I, here? I watch it on the weekends. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, we did in high school. So as much sure. as you say, we, we played a lot of sports in high school. And actually, Rob and I both had pretty good high school careers. And nice. I actually did coach a lot of baseball. I, I tell folks that's one of my proudest moments is our 11-year-old uh, baseball team winning the Georgia State Championship. Is, nice. Uh, yeah, that's some relevant experience there for sure. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. So that kind of reminds me that I think there is a common theme that will probably unfold here in this conversation is a lot of what you and Robin have been involved in really does relate to kids and teens and young adults. And so uh, uh, was, was that a design goal for, for your search of this uh, new business venture also, or did, did, was that a lucky coincidence? A little of both. I mean, it was, it was a design goal when we were looking, but we didn't really know what we were looking for. Mm. I think we probably both thought that it would be, extracurricular and maybe it would be related and mm. uh, as you start getting into a little bit of robin's professional story those, those themes will collide as well so mm -hmm. I, I would say it was certainly not accidental but right. uh, um but it was you know a bit of a uh kind of a great scenario when it was able to come out the way it did in so many different parts of life you know one thing i really like about the uh the business model also from the, from the very little bit that I know about it is you're, you're obviously having influence and impact on the lives of young children who are there to improve their sport, whether it's soccer or baseball, 
but I'm going to guess that your team is comprised of probably teenagers, college students, and other young adults. And so you have a real opportunity to impact them and their lives also. Is that, is that right? It is. And when we really started focusing on that was a couple of years ago, I think we looked around and had about a hundred employees at the time. And I think that we determined that all but three or four were under the age of 30. Wow. So uh, we've got a few more gray hairs now. There's about 250, 275. And we realized we were a full on kind of millennial company. Average age was about 25, 24. Huh. so it's a, it's, a, it's a great environment, but creates a whole different set of, you know, challenges and, and, you know, business opportunities to work through. Right. I didn't plan to ask about the uh, pandemic and how that's affected that business, but I got to think that has affected that business. How, how have you navigated through the pandemic with a, what really is a group sports type of environment? We were real fortunate. I mean, it did hit hard. So we had to hard stop, shut down in March mm-hmm. or April, whenever, particularly in Georgia. In places like California, Seattle, we, we had to shut down an awful lot of time. But our team, we've got a great president, and he, uh, they really responded and started doing things video and you know, created you know, dozens, over 100 new drills and said, hey, let's communicate. You know, we sent soccer balls and baseballs to customers saying we're thinking about you and come back. And so when in Georgia, as you know, nationally, has been on the more aggressive side of opening back up. And so when we did open, we had a tremendous spike. You know, folks that wow. kids will understand that parents were like, we've got to do something. You know, mm-hmm. leads were canceled, can't go to the movie, not going to school. And and we became a big outlet. And so we've come back very, very strong. We've had to mm. work real hard at safety protocols. And because, you know, I like to say, particularly in that business, we're really in the parent trust business. You know, right. They're, they're yeah. giving it to their kids for lots of different activities. And, and so we, we're trying to go above and beyond to uh, have safety protocols and things like that. So it was a dip, very hard to go to zero for a month. But we are pretty close to 2020 plan in some some locations. Wow, actually that is amazing. Surpassed it, so we've been fortunate. I love it. Uh, well, I, I appreciate you sharing that story. That is a huge accomplishment to be able to navigate such a just a giant unknown mm-hmm. for 2020. Sounds like it's worked really well, and in some cases, it sounds like it's been uh, an outlet for those parents and and kids that you know, really need something to occupy their not just to occupy their time, but to have their attention and focus. Right. That's important, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Robin, I'd love to uh, spend a little bit of time with you as well. And one of the things that I love about really both your stories is that while you've had a a number of different ventures that, that I know about over the years, a lot of them are sort of intertwined and connect together and work together really well. And so I know that you started a business not too long ago with some friends, Connection Worldwide, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, can you tell us about that effort and how it relates to Impact 252? Sure. I'd be glad to. Thanks. So I have to kind of give you a little bit of backstory of how Connection came about. And 
our good friend, Jeremy Kubitschek, who we both love. And he's been on the show before. We did a podcast with him not too long ago. Oh, very good. I haven't seen it. I'll go back and watch. But anyway, Jeremy had spent just a huge influence in our lives in the leadership uh, language and tools that he offered us as a couple and kind of went and ran with that, joined the giant team and giant has now become an online platform. And so the senior consultant that I was at giant kind of that model has gone away. And so some of the other ladies that were trained in the giant you know, language and tools also, we came together and said, well, why don't we build our own company and our own platform? So we are powered by the giant tools, but we really came together and formed Connection Worldwide to connect. It really has started, really started to connect women in leadership from all over. And we really wanted to do that with a boutique retreat type of platform. And that has morphed into year-long programs. So we're finishing up our first year-long program with women. And we were at our first retreat together in the pandemic. It was really amazing. But we had ladies from five different states join us. And so I'm coming off of a, uh, a few days with them and just on a high. And just seeing the liberation and the transformation that these ladies have been through this year has been significant. You know, we all talk about people being in leadership and how, you know, lonely that can be. And it's particularly lonely for women sometimes to feel like they have to uh, be something maybe that they're not. And so helping them to understand who they are and really lean into that. And that really comes out of the other, my other partners and my own transformation in in the leadership realm. So we are on fire for next year. And that's going to look a little bit different as we started off with just women for connection, we were also uh, working with corporate clients or working with young leaders, speaking. And so now our platform is going to encompass all of that as we move into 2021. Wow. So. Fantastic. Well, we all know yeah. 2021 is different in a lot of ways, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but, but whereas Chad is like the genuine entrepreneur, he is that visionary. I am more of that more present-minded person, mm. and I need a lot more details than he does. So that's really been a balance for us in, in our marriage and also working together. Just um, And so for me to actually start this company, I think this is the first time I've done that without Chad being a part of like of it. Right. And um, I actually had to pull him in quite a bit, but you know, it was very interesting for me to move into that role as a, as a true entrepreneur in this situation with connection worldwide. So it's been fun, but it's been a growth opportunity for me in lots of ways. I've had to really stretch muscles. I've never had to stretch before. Yeah. So, but I wanted to go back because I wanted to share with you a little bit just about how giant going back to the impact 252 mm-hmm. and all the people that we work with, uh, you know, we China and I just have a heart for the young professionals, for young entrepreneurs, for young people coming out of college into the workplace. And so 
at impact what we did at dbat and for the toca leaders we started what was about three and a half years ago chad i think that we started a leadership program every wednesday our top tier one leaders would go through through all day training, whether that was on a book or conversations or having people come in. And so I would take one of those Wednesdays and I worked with tier one leaders and tier two leaders. And what we would do is go through a year long program so that we're infusing the giant tools, the giant language, the common language that that produces so that hmm. we were building this healthy culture. Right. Because before we had started these leadership days, we had a pretty high turnover rate mm -hmm. in the company. And that morphed into what, about a year, year and a half after we started these leadership days that, you know, we had so many people coming to us to top quality, top notch people wanting to work at our company. That's fantastic. So, so word got out about the program and they were coming for that. Yeah. One of the things Chad uh, and our president, him and you know, did is they just ask what, what is it that you want so that you would stay with us for three years? Like what, what would you want us to offer you so that we can help grow you and keep you for at least three years? Because you get this age group, there's a lot of turnover, you mm -hmm. know, of jobs in the age group. And they really said, we just want you to pour into us. We want to learn. We want to grow as a leader. We want to know how to you know, manage our money. You know, there's just so many things wow. I just wanted to know about them personally. Mm -hmm. So people have asked us, well, aren't you scared they're just going to leave and go somewhere else? Well, yeah, that's kind of the goal, you know, is to help them. I mean, yes, of course we want to keep them, but we also want to build leaders that wherever they go next, they're going to be absolutely the most amazing, either entrepreneur or either person to work with at that next place that they land. Yeah, I love that. Well, that certainly is a balance, right? You want to you want to keep folks, mm -hmm. but you also want to genuinely help folks, so that whatever happens next is a good experience for everyone involved, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, but it sounds like just pouring into folks and and really making that a uh, a significant part of the culture mm -hmm. has worked to help retain folks and also to uh, recruit new people. It, it's, been, it. it's been significant. And what I love about what we're doing is it's a multiplication effect. Mm -hmm. So these young people that we're pouring into and developing liberating leaders is what we call them, people that support and challenge, and they know how to bring that in a way that other people can hear and grow. They now, our, our top leaders take that to all of their locations and they're working with every single person in their group. So it's been really really, truly amazing the stories we hear of significant impact it's had on their lives personally, but also on their lives as they're growing, you know, in their new business world as leaders. I love it. So I would like to get into the mechanics just a little bit because I do think, uh, well, I know that many of our listeners are entrepreneurs and other leaders that would like to learn from, from people like you. Tell us a little bit more about the cadence of meetings. Did I hear correctly that for your new leaders, mm -hmm. that they're going through a one-year program, which is comprised of a weekly meeting? Is that right? 
Mm-hmm. If and, they're in our in our top tier, if they're managing or directing, that's the level that they come in at. And then okay. that because those remember they're multiplying, so they now go back to their location. So everyone from top level managers down to the person that is training someone, you know, with toka soccer or baseball. Everyone is getting this common language. They're all understanding how to speak to each other objectively Mm -hmm. so that we avoid a lot of the tension and frustrations that you're going to have some, but this helps communication at a higher level. That's great. So tell me, you you mentioned, and and we've talked about a little bit, that you and Chad both have a passion for for young people and and, uh, young adults, rising Mm -hmm. leaders. Where, where does that come from? Is that something you've always had or I know, I know you've got, so you've got two grown sons, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've got Barrett. Was that your introduction to the, to the kid thing? <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was. Oh, Barrett's 27 and Christian will be 23 next week. Nice. So, yeah. Excellent. So, uh, but truly I would like to kind of unpack that. Have you always worked with young adults or is that a passion that you sort of discovered later? Well, I'll go ahead and start. Um, Chad, you jump in anytime. I I would love to share this little story with you because I think it's just a significant part of of who we are now. Um, But back in our 20s, I guess we're about 27, 28, Chad and I went on a little retreat, a weekend retreat. And we just asked ourselves this question, you know, what is it that we want to do before we die? And so at 27, that's yeah. a question we all yeah. ask ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. People now probably call it a bucket list, but right. that's not what we called it back then. So anyway, so, but what was significant about that came out of that weekend were two things. We would go away, we would dream on our own, then we would come back at lunch and dinner and talk. But we had a lot of time that we just spent in our own thoughts and minds and prayer and all of that. And, and we would come back and the two things that came out is that Chad says, you know what, I really want to have a foreign exchange student come live with us. And the second thing that came out of that was we created, you know, it was so fun just dreaming up what would it look like if we created a place for kids to come Mm. and they would be safe and they could, you know, watch great, you know, whole movies or, you know, have a place to learn about leadership or, you know, have a place that they could play baseball, whatever that looked like. We were just kind of dreaming and it's kind of fun to see that those dreams have kind of happened over the years. So after we came off of that weekend, I guess we were home about six weeks and we had an email come through and it said, as a lady in the neighborhood and said, I've got an exchange student that needs a place for six um, months. So we looked at each other and like, okay, let's do it. And so that was the first time that we had an exchange student live with us, a teenager. We had had friends and different, you know, Chad's brother lived with us, but we all of a sudden realized we really enjoyed it. So I guess now we've had over 20 something young people that have lived with us through the years and um, anywhere from six weeks to three and a half years. So, and so that's an addition to our our two kids. You know, but it's been amazing. We've learned so much from them, Mm. you know, and we just feel like um, they've taught us a lot, but we hope that, you know, we've instilled, you know, something in them as well. 
that's a part of their journey. So that's amazing. Uh, so, so because of that, we have just really enjoyed the the young people and being a part of their lives and pouring into them. So yeah, I guess we've always had this infinity towards uh, working with, mm. with young, with young people. Oh, that's awesome. I, I love hearing that. I had, I had no idea. 20, 20 something people oh. uh, probably at different times, not all at the same time. Well, we, well. Recently, we recently moved and thought <laughs> if we moved, they wouldn't know where we were. Anymore. It was time to be, Totally into nest and uh, right. we into nest a couple of years ago, but then people are still there. So <laughs> under shadow of night, moved across town. Nice. Well, let's talk about that for just a second because uh, you know Maureen and I, we we live out in the suburbs of Atlanta, and uh, we're also uh, relatively new empty nesters. We haven't been at it quite quite as long as you have, but certainly we've gotten to a point where it's like, wow, you know. We could move in town near all the restaurants and art galleries we like to go to. How, how's that going? You, you moved across towns. You were already sort of near uh, Atlanta, I would say, if not directly in the city limits. But uh, right now you're in the thick of it, aren't you? We are. It, it may only be, you know, eight or ten miles by uh, distance, but it's, right. uh, it's, it's a radical difference from where we were. So we, um, yes, yeah, so we had the house in the, in the suburbs, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Lots of folks live there and, big cookouts in the backyard and all the types of things you do in the suburbs. And so we are now uh, down in town at the Beltline. Nice. Beltline's a multi-purpose uh, outdoor trail uh, going uh -huh. through Atlanta for those of us that are not in Atlanta. Yes. So it's, it's both, <clears throat> very active um, too. Yes. Yes. And it's both incredibly diverse in every kind of way. I think mm -hmm. it's the, the most diverse part of Atlanta, age, backgrounds, races, um, mm -hmm and things like that. And uh, it's completely different. It's probably as close to living in, you know, a major city in New York or something as Atlanta has to offer in that mm -hmm. we walk everywhere. We're contemplating uh, letting a car go and being a oh, really? car wow. and a bicycle uh, <laughs> nice. and kind of family and things like that. So it was, but it was probably, it's been great. It's been great so far. And one of mm -hmm. the, one of the reasons behind it was a bit of a mind shift in saying, Hey, if we change something significantly about, you know, place, purpose, we were both kind of transitioning between careers and companies and things of that nature. And so we thought, boy, this would be a, a real different mindset and uh, something, something new. Well, I, I do want to touch on that. And this, and selfishly, this is all about, you know, Maureen and I are making this decision. Our listeners may not care at all, but I, but I want to so, know. So Matt, there's a couple of new townhomes oh, okay. in our there's subdivision, some so y'all can just move next door to us. Good, I, I like that. I like that idea. Uh, we we have looked in town, uh, you know, fairly seriously. We've looked at a number of uh, uh, different areas, and and uh, you know, mostly condos and townhouses. You know, kind of thinking about if we're going to be traveling for you know, long periods of time is something that we like to do. Uh, mm -hmm. Be nice if you didn't have a yard to worry about and you've got close neighbors and keep an eye on things. But I, I have to confess, it's a little bit scary for, for a guy that, you know, grew up really in the suburbs or, or even beyond. It's a big change. Have any surprises that we should know about? Anything we should consider <laughs> as we think through that, that idea? It's been great so far. We've Actually, I don't know, maybe six weeks been been down here. It's not been bad. Oh, not that long. Okay. Yeah. 
And we were out of town. So it's still new and shiny. That's right. (laughs) I was out of town for three of those. We've only got 50% furniture in the house, so it's still a little bit new. Okay. Um, But but we have done a lot of walking and finding restaurants and meeting different people down here. So uh, Well, like, you know, I haven't been to your place yet, but I know about where you are. And and for, for our listeners, it is a very active, vibrant uh, part of our city. And there's always people outside running up and down the Beltline and tons of restaurants and galleries and, and mm-hmm. bars and all kinds of uh, fun mm-hmm. stuff. So, well, I'll check back in with you in a year or so and see how that's going before we make any big decisions. But uh, uh, I applaud you for, for making such a, a big change in your life. That's, that's pretty cool. Chad, one thing that uh, strikes me as I've uh, gotten to know you over the last several years is it seems like you're you've, you're doing a lot of things. Seems like it seems like there's not just one thing. There's nine things, and one of the things that I've admired about you is somehow you still seem like a happy, easygoing guy <laughs> with all that going on. So you've got Impact Two Fifty Two, DBAT, Toka. Uh, which is a soccer organization, uh, but you've also been involved in FCCI for for our listeners. That's Fellowship of Companies for Christ International, right? Right. Can Can you tell us a little bit about that organization and what you're doing there? And then I'd love to hear how you manage so much. I mean, that's that's a lot uh, to manage for one person. Yeah. So sometimes not so well, but that uh, that's one of the downsides. Of- of being a connector and involved with a lot of different things is uh, a drawn focus. And so that's a, that's kind of a big theme of 2021. Let's reduce the number of uh, uh-huh. things we're involved with and get more actively engaged. But FCCI came about, um, Robin and I have been going, we've had a couple of significant mentors in, in both business and faith. And FCCI was really formed by a group of uh, Atlanta businessmen that are really kind of icons in the, in the business hmm. and in the faith world in Atlanta. Names like uh, Truett Cathy was a part early on, and Horst Schultz, who founded Ritz Carlton. And, mm-hmm. I mean, Bobby Mitchell and Jim Moy, who are folks that have mentioned us quite a bit, came together and they were struggling with, you know, can you express your faith and be an excellent in business and integrate the two together? So it's an organization that just seeks to encourage and equip faith-based, you know, Christian business owners to um, to be able to integrate their faith and have you know some you know in a secular term they call it life balance or other types of things but it's sure. essentially um, you know how do you integrate faith and work can you do mm-hmm. both together and um, and so we started going to conferences and various settings that they had probably twelve or fourteen years ago okay I was asked to go on the board about five years ago and then um, a few years ago there was a transition and. It, it kind of corresponded with me leaving one path and, mm. and there was a time they needed a president. And so I got uh, drafted in to lead the organization for a couple of years. And it's wow. really had a, a real profound impact, not only to be able to try to give back and, and help bridge to the next generation, that organization, which is 40 years old around the world, around the country. There's been different times, but there's, there's folks in, you know, 30 states probably and, you know, 25 or 30 countries around the world. So wow. it's broad-based over the last 40 years. And it really introduced to a, a whole new set of people that is where we're spending a lot of time now. And it's really shaped 
what we think the next decade is going to look like in that faith-driven investing, faith-driven entrepreneurs. There's a lot of, a lot of uh, organizations like that that blend our love for business, but also our love for family and next generation and uh, faith that we try to integrate into our life and our businesses as well. So tell us about some of the complications of trying to juggle leading FCCI. That, I mean, I, don't, I, I confess, I don't know a lot about FCCI, but what I think I know, like you said, global organization spread across multiple states. I actually didn't know it was founded in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I thought it was headquartered in California. Is that right? No, it's actually headquartered in Atlanta now. I, I don't um, know why I thought that. Uh, but uh, We're looking at an opportunity in California and have uh, some partners out there. We're out there a lot. Uh, okay, maybe right. that's maybe that's why I thought. Uh, but between that and Impact 252, how how do you manage your time so that you're not just swallowed up by all of it? So it's a challenge. It's a constant challenge for me. There's a lot of uh, emails at you know midnight and uh, <laughs> oh, no. over the weekend and things like that. Of uh, you know, strong organization is not my greatest skill set. So <laughs> there, there is a balance with Robin, and you know you have to get this done by today and things of that nature. So there's pros and cons. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think I do have a, a high capacity for a number of relationships and to multitask, although I've been reading a little bit about that and they say multitasking is a myth. You can only do one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. Multitasking can take five tasks twice as long as if you just kind of focused uh, a little bit time. But there's there's a lot of that. The challenge is is getting excited about something and wanting to spend more time, but then getting drawn to something else, you know, Mm -hmm. in the case of, you know, FCCI had set things that, you know, I had to be at and needed to be at. And, you know, business is fluid and opportunities happen at different times. I was incredibly fortunate to be involved with three things that were happening. And there were many times like California, our TOCA, uh, DBA is now headquartered in California. So that oh, wow. is okay. California. Okay. So I'd be incredibly fortunate to be able to go to California and fully work on you know, two or three different things or in Dallas, Texas, we've got a big presence and work on two or three things and here in Atlanta, but it's, it's a constant challenge. And I feel like, you know, an example I always use is when you see a juggler juggling a lot of balls, usually he drops all of them. You know, it's not, it's not one ball that falls out or something. Mm. That's how I feel sometimes. (laughs) um, You know, am I doing anything really well or Mm. um, do I need to, have a little more focus uh, in life. Right. So. Well, that, that is a challenge for folks that are uh, wired that way. And, I, and, and you know, certainly I'm, I fall in that category also of it's easy to overcommit because you get interested in a bunch of different things. Right. And then what happens with me, and it sounds like may happen with you also, is often a lot of those things require some sort of routine, which maybe doesn't feel as comfortable to us. Right. And then I love that you, you know, pointed out the, uh, uh, the deadline part of it and kind of getting things done. I, I believe you and I are both very motivated by, by deadlines. And, you know, just this morning, you know, we're minutes before the, uh, 
uh, show and I'm, I'm sending you over the notes of stuff that I worked on this morning because that's, that is the deadline. And that was very motivating to me to get up this morning and I'm excited about it and, and uh, sit down and kind of put together uh, what I thought uh, would be a good program. Robin <laughs> may have liked to have had that done two weeks ago. <laughs> what did I say this morning, Chad? <laughs> That's right. Don't tell us. I I can totally relate, though, that Maureen is uh, very much wired similarly, I think, to you, Robin, in that Mm -hmm. probably more methodical about getting things done, going to start well in advance a a little at a time. And the deadline is usually something that happens well after the task has been completed. So that's a pretty good balance when you put, put those mm-hmm. two together in, in the same yeah. couple. I, I think that, I think that works really well. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that. All right. Well, let's, let's move on just a little bit. I want to, you know, I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that you're doing in Atlanta and Robin, before the show, you and I talked a little bit about an organization that you're involved with, mm-hmm. Peace Prep Academy. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that and uh, what's its background and genesis and how are you involved? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. So Peace Preparatory Academy started in 2015. And there's a young couple, Ben and Sarah Wills, that moved into this neighborhood uh, nine years ago and just oh. so the neighborhood it's called the English Avenue neighborhood it's right behind Georgia Tech for anyone in Atlanta right. mm-hmm. that that knows that area but what's significant about you know what has happened through the years in this neighborhood is that it's become very destructive with uh, the heroin oh, community wow. mm-hmm. and so it's the third largest heroin area in the united states and the first in the southeastern and so um mm-hmm. this couple the wills they moved in and they just started living amongst the people and just said how do we create a whole you know child a whole family and whole community and they really just prayed about this and said you know what's that going to look like here and after four years they started Peace Preparatory Academy, which is a Christian school in mm. this neighborhood that hasn't had a school in, in, the, in the neighborhood, a functioning school in over 20 years. Wow. And so, you know, it's kind of called, considered like a food desert or a resource desert, if you've ever heard of that, where things are just a little bit farther away. You know, the food selections aren't the healthiest. Mm. You know, the resources the bus schedules, all of that, they have a lot that they have to deal with. And, you know, you're right in, Atlanta. Very, right in Atlanta and you're talking mm-hmm. about very low income mm-hmm. families, 60% of the housing in that area is, you know, no one's living in them, Oh wow! but yeah. yet you, you can't buy a lot of them right now. So basically peace prep was formed and we started as one grade so we start with fifth grade so every year we add a grade uh, level and so we've been there five years so one year we added a pre-k so now we have pre-k and kindergarten up through fifth grade so we have about 60 children now that we serve and what's wonderful is they get lunch um, they get breakfast lunch and dinner 
we have someone that provides dinner every night for the kids. And um, we have a washing machine and dryer that the families can come and use, you know, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We have discipleship in the afternoon for the kids. They can stay after school and their siblings can come if they need to. So it's just Mm -hmm. a really safe place. Mm-hmm. And so we finally were able to buy the church building that we had been in for the last few years. And so now we are in the process of building uh, plans for a new campus, Wow! which we're very excited about because we want to go through 12th grade and we can just see, I just wish you could see these kids, how, you know, they're thriving in, in such difficult circumstances. One of our kids, when we first started, you know, sometimes if the kids don't show up, we'll just go to their homes and, you know, knock on the door and bring them to school and check Mm. in on them. But one of our kids was sleeping on a, you know, a a table, you Mm. know, and, you know, it's, it's just not great situations there, Mm. but yet the families are making some shifts and we just see after five years of the presence of the school being there, how important that is for the community and what the impact it's having, not only on the community, but the people that go. We have a lot of people coming in and serving and, you know, reading to the kids and just being a part of growing something really special. So if if you don't mind me asking, how, how was that funded? How do you, how do you go into a, a community like that where there aren't very many resources and just create something? How does that work? By very generous people like you and me, <laughs> you wow. know, it's, mm. it's, it's really how we um, have our money. We have a sliding scale. So we ask every family to participate in uh, tuition, mm. but that isn't a sliding scale. So we try to have everyone give something, you know, so that yeah. they feel like they are, you know, working with their kids in their own education. So yeah. But, you know, we have corporate gifts that come in. We have really generous people that just have caught the vision of Peace Prep and are working, you know, in in lots of areas to try to find that money. Mm. Lecrae, I don't know if you know the Christian rapper Lecrae. No. He's a big proponent of what we're doing. So we have some great people that are kind of known that have gotten behind and, and sharing that story everywhere they go as well. But we need the story shared a lot in order to build this school. So I love it. <laughs> but thank yeah. you for asking about what we do there. Yeah, yeah, I think that's terrific. Just last week, I uh, recorded a podcast with Eddie Staub, who is the founder of Eagle Ranch, if you're familiar mm, with that yes. uh, organization. Yes. And so uh, this will be good. The podcast with Eddie, I think, will be published today. We're recording on October 28th, and uh, your uh, your episode will follow that. So uh, good to hear. Uh, this is, uh, you know, as, as you may know, if you're familiar with Eagle Ranch, way out in the mm-hmm. suburbs, mm-hmm. really beyond even the suburbs, I think, of Atlanta, and, uh, and then with the uh, Peace Prep Academy inner city, I think it's a nice bookend to, to that, mm-hmm. uh, that story. Well, I, I love that. I would love to uh, talk a little bit about managing risk. So we're going to switch gears here just a little bit. I think that is something that a lot of entrepreneurs, especially right now, 
are worried about, they're thinking about it, they're staying awake at night, worried about uh, their small businesses in many cases. And I, one thing that strikes me when I hear the story from, from both of you uh, with what you're doing through uh, Connection Worldwide, Robin, and what you're both doing through Impact 252, this is a common theme. Uh, it seems like both of you are very good at creating partnerships with other people. And I wonder how much of that is related to just risk management, uh, or is that just a benefit of, uh, of working with other people? Well, I'll say from the business standpoint that, you know, risk and the degree of risk is certainly an element for any entrepreneur. And I was, uh, I was an all-in person and had a lot of companies that went all-in. I think a little bit with age and a little bit with experience, I've constantly try to modify risk, but mm. um, you, you certainly, if you're going to be entrepreneurial, need to have a certain degree of risk aversion in your life. And, but consequently, things go bad. I mean, we, we've essentially been bankrupt a couple of times and, uh, you know, mm. when companies just don't work out and, and you go all in with them. But I will say from a, from a teaming standpoint now is we were a little bit tongue in cheek talking about uh, the personality profile of, of entrepreneurs is that early in my career, I didn't want those guardian, the proverbial, you know, CFO that asked mm -hmm. all questions. And, you know, it was, I was like, you just got to get rid of these people. This is where all good ideas go to die. And so I didn't want them around me at all. And so consequently, we had a lot of folks really ready to charge the hill and our, our probably starkest story is having the company, we'll skip the details. It went to, six or seven states in a couple of years and we had a couple of employees and a year later we were out of business. And oh my goodness. We had an unbelievable ability to draw and attract and get the customers, but we had no systems. We had no mm. financial controls. We had no inventory. And, and so now that's usually my first call, you know, someone really very risk averse that's going to ask a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. and, uh, certainly if it's a company, it's, it's top of the list for a partner is someone that's a, uh, that's an offer ego. And outside of that, you get to an age at some point that we're, uh, or at least me, I'm moderating risk a little bit, but risk management's a big, big part of, uh, yeah. Well, I do want to talk about you. You mentioned at your age and I do want to get to that in just a minute. <laughs> a <little> preview <laughs> of what's coming, <laughs> but Robin, do, do you, uh, do you, do you have an appetite for risk? Are you, are you an all in kind of person? Well, can be, but yeah. Chad really has to paint a picture for me. Uh, okay. He has to build a bridge uh, because I've, you know, I've fallen off that bridge way too many times and, mm -hmm. you know, um, and had to survive. And so he's gotten much better about painting a better picture for me. And I've probably gotten much better about asking, you know, more detailed questions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's kind of how we yin and yang a little bit better now. But, yeah. you know, in the earlier days, you know, it was really hard because I didn't know how to ask those questions. Mm -hmm. um, my voice is a nurture voice, so I'm very supportive. 
relational oil is important for me. So, you know, between us that just, you know, whether it's a team or our family, I wanted everything to just run smoothly emotionally for all of us. And, and, you know, that could be hard living with a, a true entrepreneur like Chad is. And uh, one of the tools I always tell this story, cause I think it's important and maybe some of your listeners might, you know, take, take something away from this, but you know, Chad just speaks provisionally all the time. And so he has so many ideas going around in his mind. He just wanted to extrovert They're all good those. ideas. They're all right. good ones. But the way he would always, and he still does, the way he shares things, it's like, yes, you know, this is going to happen and we're going to make this happen. This is our next direction. And for so long, I would, he would just be provisionally speaking while I would hear this is a plan and it's a promise. He's going to make this happen. And so I would, and all of a sudden I would, and we talked about this uh, several times, but you know, he would lose trust with me because he would have all these plans, but then he wouldn't follow through on those plans. And so what I wound up doing because of my judging personality from the Myers-Briggs is I would run around and try to make, all the things that he would share with me about doing happen because I didn't want him to lose influence with our boys, with his partners or whoever he was working with. And so once we understood that language and that tool, now when he's speaking provisionally, he's to share with his teams or me or whoever he's talking with, you know, I'm just, I'm dreaming a little bit here. I'm provisionally speaking. I'll let you know right. if we need to move to plan and promise. And so that was a big turn. And we didn't really learn that until about five years ago, but it's mm. been huge for our marriage. I wish we, I wish I would have known that, you know, earlier on. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree that uh, that is a useful. So that for, for me, I first learned about that tool, mm -hmm. provisional plan promise mm -hmm. from giant. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was certainly an aha moment for me too, because typically, you know, I, I'm an introvert, so I usually think about things internally before I spew them out to the world, unless your name is Maureen Hyatt, and then I'll just tell you all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and so many times I'd be sort of thinking about, yeah, you, you know, we we could move to Alaska. That'd be cool. And she's like, oh my gosh, we're moving to Alaska. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> So it helped a lot to kind of figure out, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm just talking here, just, <laughs> just thinking about it, but what would happen if we did that, you know, the, that kind of thing. I, I said London or Italy, but we ended up there felt like. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you compromised and moved six miles away. <laughs> There's a great pub down the street, and right. eat, uh, you know, get Italian places. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, so, you know, I was joking a little bit about the the age thing but i you know i feel like we're a similar station in life i i you know you both have a great head of hair i i do not <laughs> and uh you know that's an age-related thing but gosh do you think about winding down i you know i'm i'll confess the word retirement has crossed my mind a few times you know it's on it's, <laughs> it's out there it's not too far away i would think I don't think you're showing any signs of slowing down here. What What is your plan? No, I don't think so. We've got a lot of kind of projects, but I think the relationship to them changes. You know, I'm I'm not looking to go 
start and operate, you know, a new business or something mm-hmm. like that. But I think that we're just getting started and trying to think what the next 10 years is going to look like. And, right. Um, um, you know, I have a hard time saying advisory or consultancy, things like that, but it's a little bit more on the maybe advisory level or participatory level than it is starting from scratch. <laughs> Although we were with a 22 year old kid last night that's got a great idea and we're like, Hey, let's jump in. And, oh, you know, wow. Nice. And, <laughs> and so it's got, I've been gunning for at large. <laughs> that's, that's the position that I want. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's fantastic. Well, look, uh, I want to move on to our lightning round. This is uh, just a few questions that we try and ask each of our guests uh, on the Rocket IT Business Podcast. And so uh, let's dive into that for just a moment. This will be fun because we get to double up. Uh, we get to ask uh, three questions and get six answers, I think. So, Tell us, uh, tell us about one person that's had a profound impact on your, on your life. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I will say there's been, first of all, there's been a lot of people that have had profound impacts on my life at different stages in Mm -hmm. my life. And so, and, and so I'll, I'll go back to a stage in my thirties now. And there was a lady, her name is Zoe Hicks and she came into my life and she's probably about 25 years older than I am. And she wound up spending, you know, once a week, every week for about an hour or two with me and just pouring in wisdom. We would pray together. She just would, you know, listen and, and we still get together, not every week, but we still get together a few times a year just to visit and just to catch up. But she has significantly impacted my life in many ways. So. Wonderful. How'd you meet her? Um, she was at the church that we were attending. Uh, and so it was, a, it was a real cool story of how we got together but I'll save that for another day. Next, our next podcast. All <laughs> yeah, right, I'll, yeah. I'll love it. How about you, Chad? So about that same stage, and and it was at a low point in business, and things were really mm. going wrong. And mm. and uh, an older gentleman reached out to me also, same kind of context. And he's mm. now eighty eight. Wow. We've uh, been spending time together for probably thirty years, or somewhere wow. in the uh, uh, neighborhood. And he was a businessman. He was in our church. He took a real interest in me. Um, we've talked about life and marriage and faith and business. And, and so mm-hmm. at different stages in time, he's been, you know, a mentor and a close confidant and a, and a friend. And so it was. That was uh, terrific. Yeah. Yeah. So his name was Jim Moy. And okay. uh, I talked to him Friday night. So yeah. I think uh, mentors are so important. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in all of our lives. And we all have people that we look up to. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool though. You, at least my experience has been uh, mentors sort of come and go out of our lives at various periods of time. Pretty cool to hear you're both, you know, 20, 30 years later, staying in good touch with, with your mentors. That's mm-hmm. terrific. Yeah. So tell us about what's the most important lesson you've learned in your professional life. So I can go professional in that one. Right? <laughs> it's um, uh, really having value-aligned people around you. Mm-hmm. There's a term equally yoked that not everybody resonates with that, but I think value-aligned. I looked at the professional times that 
you know, even in cases where we had successful businesses for a while, but there was a value disconnect, ultimately either the company failed, the relationship failed. And so having people that share, you know, common values and, you know, you don't need to be the same person, but uh, at your core, if you're value aligned, found that good things happen and when you're not, not so good things can happen. All right. Yeah, I do love mm. that. We're also a very values-based organization here at Rocket IT. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I tell folks when they're coming on board or interviewing, it's not necessarily that we have to have exactly the same values, but our values need to be compatible and aligned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that has been uh, so important uh, for our progress over the years. So I can certainly understand that. How about you, Robin? I think as a nurturer, one of the, I've learned a lot about leadership, but I think the, I think becoming secure and confident and humble, it's a phrase we use a lot at, you know, in the giant world, but that for me has been significant becoming Mm -hmm. secure in who I am and the voice that I have around the table and knowing that I have a seat around that table Mm -hmm. and being confident in what I have to offer, but being humble around the people that, you know, I'm with is, is very important. So those three things I think have helped me grow the most in, in my, in my leadership. Yeah, I love that. I think there are a lot of folks that, particularly that sort of have that, you mentioned the word nurture, but that, that uh, great capacity mm-hmm. for caring about other people. I think many times our nurturers tend to underestimate their own mm-hmm. value and their own contribution. Mm-hmm. So I love that you've recognized that uh, in yourself. I think that's pretty terrific. I think that's and a really I'll- important thing. Well, and I'll just say this, you know, 43% of the people are nurturers and I love liberation and I know what that liberation has felt like for me as Mm -hmm. a nurturer. And so to think that I might can have share my story and how it's impacted me to help them be the, you know, the best that they absolutely can be in becoming secure, confident they are is important. Perfect. All right. Any particular book or podcast that you're reading or listening to right now? Absolutely. I know what Robin's reading and I'll let her give one because that's one of my favorites also. But uh, I recently read a book called The American Spirit by David McCullough, Mm -hmm. the famous historian. And this Mm -hmm. was really a compilation of speeches that were given through time. And given this period that we are, not so much the election year, but, you know, it's the most talked about thing around the country now is the divisiveness and where mm-hmm. we're going to be the country and what's our future going to be. So that was a, that was kind of a great reminder of, you know, the things that made America great and a little bit of history in there in unity. Oh, and, great. So, and so that was a good one. And uh, although I love the book that I'm sure Robin's going to talk about. <laughs> he does love it because he listened to it um, on all the audiobook and then mm-hmm. he was like I want you to listen to it with me so we had a six-hour drive last week and listened to it oh, but wow. it's Bob Goff's new book it's oh. Dream Big oh yeah I, don't know I love Bob Goff this. I know it's fantastic huh. and you know what I love about it it gives me such insight more insight into who Chad is because mm-hmm. of the way this guy dreams I mean his dreams are out of this world but the things he does and that he just feels the freedom to do 
to do whatever it is he thinks he can do or maybe can't do, mm-hmm. but he goes and he tries. And so I have gotten so much out of this book, but like I said, it's really given me some fun insight into to Chad's mind as well. Oh, I love it. That uh, I have not read that particular book, but I have read Bob Goff before and mm-hmm. great author. I've actually met him too uh, at a book signing. So I uh, you know, got my picture taken with him. He's, he's a lot of fun. So one of the things that's fun about Bob is, I don't know if he did it with, uh, with his current book, but uh, his past book, he had his personal phone number, in the book, yeah. uh, which is awesome. He, he, he takes a hundred calls a day. Does he really? And he, and you'll love this book then because there are so many stories about the calls he's gotten and what he's done with them. <laughs> and he goes, I can't get anything done. Isn't that amazing? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Well, that is a great segue. And my last question is people want to learn more about you and, and your organizations. What's the best way to, uh, to reach out? For me personally, Robin at connectionworldwide.com okay. is good, but I have to spell connection. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's with an X. Oh, C-O-N-N-E-X-T-I-O-N, so. Got it. All right. Fantastic. Yeah. And I'm at chat at impact252.com and there's, um, uh, you know, we're both on, most of the social media platforms and nice. Facebook and all the, all the different ones. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I want to throw a plug in, cause it's also a podcast and I know we've been asked that and we're running out of time, but you know, I love all the entrepreneurial, how I built this and entree leadership is a good one. Mm-hmm. But the last year, one called faith driven entrepreneurs and investors mm-hmm. is okay. really incredible. It's in that same genre. Oh, okay. It's amazing stories. You know, they're, they're only about a year or two old. Fantastic. hundred countries and, you know, a couple hundred thousand weekly listeners. So it's a, it's a really good podcast. Wow. <laughs> I haven't heard of that one. So thanks for sharing that. We'll have to <laughs> check that one out for sure. Well, look, on that note, I believe it's time to wrap things up. Chad and Robin from myself and our audience, thank you for joining us today. Mm-hmm. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Rocket IT Business Podcast. If you have suggestions on future topics that you'd like to hear more about, please email us at podcasts at rocketit.com. Finally, a quick plug for Rocket IT. We work with businesses, nonprofits, and municipalities in the areas of IT support, information security, and strategic planning. To learn more about Rocket IT and its services, please be sure to visit rocketit.com. Thank you, Chad and Robin. It's been a pleasure. It's great. Thank you. Thank you.